Hey y'all, welcome back. I'm so excited for today's guest, but before we get to him, I just wanna remind everyone, I work with people in one-on-one settings, that be individuals, couples, and athletes. Uh, and so if you're interested in work with me, if you like some of the work I do, if you've you know connected with the podcast, if you've connected with some of the stuff I'm posting on social media and you wanna give it a try, head over to www.nicobarraza.com to inquire more. You can email me there. If you have any questions, you can also set up a free 15-minute Zoom consultation and ask me any questions you have, uh, You know, learn a little bit more about what the process looks like when I work with people or couples. Um, so if you're interested, head over to www.nicobarraza.com. Also, if you want to support the show, a really easy way you can give back is head over to my website, go over to the store tab and buy some gear. The gear is awesome. It's sweet. I'm not biased, I promise. Um, I have a lot of stuff up there uh, for both men and women and for kids as well, too. Um, if you want to support the show, the gear is really affordable. It's sustainably sourced. And um, ultimately, it's awesome to see people all over the world buy some Star of the Ego Feed the Soul gear and post on Instagram or social media, tag me in it. It's just it's a treat to see that. Uh, and then, of course, the a lot of the proceeds um, get kicked back to the show and I can put that back into the show, which is pro bono. I don't run any ads on this show. Um yet and it's been a, it's been nice because a lot of folks run a lot of ads and sometimes that can get a little overwhelming so if you do want to get back to the uh, give back to the show uh, head over to the website and i'll also throw that link in the description head over to the storefront um and and buy buy some swag for yourself and one last favor before we get to our guests today if you haven't i know i throw this out a lot but if you haven't left the show a five-star written review on apple and a five-star review on Spotify, please pause the show right now, like right this very second, and go do that. It takes two seconds just to leave a five-star written review on Apple and to leave a five-star review on, on Spotify, and it helps the show gain more traction. It's a free, easy way for you to give back, um, and it really means a lot if you can just take a brief second to do that uh, because it helps the show gain more traction, ultimately get in more ears, reach more people around the world, and um, it means a lot. So I would really appreciate it if you can take a quick couple of seconds, go leave a five-star written review on Apple and Spotify. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for doing that in advance. So this week's guest is a gentleman I've wanted to have on the show for a while now. Um, I've had his partner, Vanessa Bennett, on the show. And of course, I'm talking about Mr. John Kim, aka The Angry Therapist. Uh, they have a new book out uh, as a couple. It's called It's Not Me, It's You, Break the Blame Cycle, Relationship Better. Um, he's also the author of Single on Purpose, and I used to be a miserable fuck. Um, John's an incredible dude, uh, you know, been through a lot in his life. And and it's it's clear to just see, you know, how effective of a therapist um you know, he is and just the work he's putting out there, you know, I, I reiterate this in the show with him, but it's just your non, you know, no nonsense, no bullshit, like to the point, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate that kind of work out there when, when so many people are putting so much fluff around, you know, really what it takes to work on yourself, work on your relationship and ultimately just be a better human, right? In, in every avenue of life, whether that be being a parent, a friend, um, a partner, a coworker, you know, what have you. Uh, and so, yeah, I get to share an hour with John and uh, it's, you know, it's an honor, honestly, because he's, he's super well known um, in this industry. He's been, you know, <laughs> I would say, um, you know, a social media influencer as a therapist for a while now. Uh, he has, a, a, you know, a TED Talk out. He's got, you know, books he's written. Um, he's written for uh, Psychology Today. You know, he's written some articles out there for some big publications. And um, he's also super into motorcycles, which is another part of my life. I love motorcycles. If you don't know that about me, I've been riding since I was probably like seven years old. And uh, it's been an addiction ever since I started. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say thank you to John Kim for coming on the show. Uh, and if y'all don't know him, I hope you do. But if you don't know him, go follow The Angry Therapist on uh, social media, whether that be Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, you know, Facebook. Um, you can subscribe to his, uh, to his text messages. You can learn more about um, the coaching he offers uh, or the, the coaching certifications he offers through his, uh, his platform, Journey Coaching. And you can also buy his, buy his books and, and get into his work. And I'm sure this book that him and Vanessa worked on uh, is incredible. I have a, a pre-order copy in front of me. I've been so swamped with grad school that I haven't been able to open a single book in the past couple months. Um, but I usually read about a book a week. So that's been 
that free time has gone out the window, but I'm super excited to read this on my next break. Um, and uh, right now it's on pre-order. You can head over to his website, theangrytherapist.com to order a copy, or you can just go to social media. I'm sure there's directions on how to get a copy through that too. So pick one up, read it, let me know what you think. Um, share this episode if it resonates with you. If it doesn't, that's cool too. Um, but as always, appreciate y'all being here. It means a lot. I hope you get as much as possible out of these episodes. Um, it's certainly an honor to record them with these guests. And uh, it's also an honor for um, them to be listened to, to all of, for all of you out there. It's, it means a lot. And it's incredible how many people since we started the show, or I started the show in, in March of 2021, have now, you know, been subscribed, have now become subscri subscribers and listen to this, you know, every week. And, you know, we have really high numbers comparatively to uh, most podcasts that are, that are in their first year of inception that are ran by some, you know, super famous person, I should guess I should say. So that's awesome. I'm stoked. Not that I, not that I did this show only for that reason, of course, but it, but it's awesome to just, uh, you know, see the benefit and see the traction that the shows gain um, people really find value in it and uh, yeah it just means a lot so just want to say big thank you everyone out there all right the angry therapist john kim John Kim, thank you so much for joining me on Star of the Ego, Feed the Soul, my friend. Uh, it was wonderful to meet you in person out in LA, out where you where you call home, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to chat with you for an hour today. So first off, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Nico, for having me on your podcast. Uh, yeah, and it was great seeing you in person in Los Angeles, having a meal outside on the patio. Yeah. It was nice. We, we didn't get to chat motorcycles very much, but that's I'm looking forward to that next time I see you. Um, but you have a brand new book you just released with your partner, Vanessa Bennett, and it's called, It's Not Me, It's You, Break the Blame Cycle, Relationship Better. You guys, if you're watching on the screen here, John, can you tell me why you guys pick that title and what that title really represents as far as like relational, you know, yeah. relating? I, I, uh, I don't know how we came up with it, uh, but I, I thought it was just funny that, um, you know, it says uh, break the blame cycle, but the title says it's not me too. So like, you know, it's the irony of um, we're, we're, we're blaming each mm -hmm. other. Um, there's a saying, it's not you, it's me. Right. There's a saying um, a lot of people use that when they when they break up with someone, except when they're too um, cowardly to say the truth. So right. they just say, hey, listen, you deserve better. It's not you. It's me. Right. I'm going through shit, you know, all that. Um, and so it's a play on mm -hmm. that. It's a, That's from Seinfeld, it's right? You, Wasn't that me. like a, a bit in Seinfeld? Maybe. I, I vaguely remember okay. it. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So we like in i mean this has been going on since the inception of of relationships and humanity but i think in, in modern dating culture things have changed a lot right especially with with right. how social media affects us especially with cancel culture um and blaming someone else for not dealing with our shit seems to be a conundrum that uh we're facing as a species as a whole right and we can look at like the relationship is like a microclimate to society right oftentimes sure. after breakups the first thing and i read this in your comments and i read this in my comments on social media i just broke up out of a six relationship with an absolute narcissist or like you know this person yeah. was so awful and, and this and that and it, it's not like a lot of these things are untrue to an extent although obviously we can't you know if you're not a professional you can't diagnose your partner with narcissism but I think yeah. that there's a theme within separations that people immediately scapegoat to blame, right? Yes. Um, words uh, that we are using too much because of the commercialization of wellness, and now they have become crust, they've become t-shirts, and some of them are narcissist, um, woke, trigger <laughs> a lot of happy i don't like any of those words i mean i did at one point but i feel like they've been overused and also used uh inappropriately where um now they're just being there's no meaning to them because people throw them around so much so yes uh words like narcissist 
um, where where people can slap a title on someone else, and by doing so, they don't take responsibility right. or, or or ownership. You know. So there's like a certain level of um of self awareness. I think that's required to shift from a blame focus, meaning like otherizing the other is the reason I'm here, and internalizing like interpersonal responsibility right or as danae your friend says interdependence right it's like this this term that's mm-hmm. now, now being utilized quite a bit in in therapy how i mean let, let's assume that someone has a base level of self-awareness because someone that's not aware they're probably not going to even be listening to the show so if someone has a base level of self-awareness how do you go from blaming someone else for your current situation or for a heartbreak or for pain in a relationship how do you go from that to self-empowerment to actually utilizing the separation of the breakup or the relationship to learn and to grow from like where is that transition point for you i i i think it starts with blaming people for many years and realizing <laughs> uh that that it doesn't work you know um i was highly reactive in my 20s i was very sharp with my tongue um i was kind of like a, a lawyer when it came to arguments and in uh, relationships i would always flip the script i would always blame indirectly um I pulled from my head, not my heart, right? And so uh, enough of that and then realizing um, after divorce that um, that doesn't work and it's a lot of energy. And also, I don't like that about myself. And so how do you do it? Well, usually a lot of people do it and they do it until they realize it doesn't work. And at some point in their life, they're like, you know what? I need to start taking ownership. Um, for some, you know, for it's different for everyone. So, but for me, it was after my divorce, and I realized um, as I crossed that great divide from boy to man, um, that was one of the things that I was doing, and it was why I wasn't growing. I never took ownership. Yeah. You know, I was um, also in sibling position. I was I'm the youngest out of two boys, and my brother was very responsible, um, worked really hard. I got to play. I got what I wanted, and so there was an, an enabling. And, um, you know, being kind of spoiled as like the baby in the family. Um, and I think it rippled into relationships where I never took responsibility. I never took ownership. I was um, I was never an adult. I was a child. You know, I, I got to really respect you saying that. And I've heard you say it before, but uh, like the, the term being a lawyer in a relationship, I can so relate to because uh, in my yeah. last relationship before we separated, you know, uh, I went to law school twice, actually. It dropped out both times. It mm-hmm. wasn't for me. <laughs> but uh, she, my last partner literally said, she's like, every time we get into a discussion or a conversation, you always have to be a lawyer, yeah. right? And and yeah. I wasn't listening at the time because I was like triggered and resentful for other things. But well, you're busy trying to prove your, prove exactly. Your case. <laughs> that, that's the main point. And so once you know she left, she left the relationship, and it ended for a lot of reasons, not just what I did, but looking at my own self and the mistakes I made. Uh, one of the things was sort of coming to terms as a man that I had an addiction to trying to be right all the time, right? And instead of listening to my partner and holding space, well, well, hopefully she would hold space for me. You know, I I was trying to you know conflate the arguments in a way that sort of blew it out of proportion where, you know, I would quote unquote win. And and now, you know, as, as going to school for being a therapist myself, which is kind of funny because I'm reading through your book and it's like, you know, through all the trials and tribulations of being in relationships, going through a divorce, going to, going to therapy school, you know, um, sort of on a similar yeah. journey myself, you know, looking back on that, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, um, ashamed at all for acting because I needed to be that way to get to this point. Right. But I do agree right. with you that I needed a loss or to have a certain period of grief to actually come mm-hmm. to terms with my mistakes, you know? And I'm curious if yeah. you think, um, you know, we can, we talk about this from the male perspective for a second too. I'm curious if you think men can get to this point without significant loss. Sure. Um, yeah, it, 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 you know, I, I don't think you have to hit rock bottom to take the bounce up. I think many, um, you know, they want to change their their uh, lives or want to be better, even if uh, nothing is uh, wrong or at stake. And I think that's great. You know, um, it just took me um, being chopped at the knees, you know. And I had a quick story uh, as we're talking about being a lawyer. When I was married, I was in my 20s. Uh, this is a great example. I love the story because of how silly it is. We're in her car and um, she had like porcelain skin. And so she always wanted the um, um, 
she, she wanted to uh, protect herself from the sun. And I said, uh, why don't you just tint your windows your, your, when you're driving so the sun's not, you know, blasting you in the face. And she's like, well, you know, uh, the tint on a window doesn't protect the, the UV sunlight or whatever. And I said, yes, it does. I'm telling you because my brother's in the car business. Uh, it, it, it definitely does. She says, no, it doesn't. So we started arguing for like 40 minutes on if the tinted window on the, in the driver's seat, if it's light tint, if that would actually prevent the UV rays uh, from um, damaging her skin. And eventually, because I wouldn't let go of it, she broke down and started crying. And it wasn't until later I realized it was never about the tinted windows, right? She just wanted to be heard. Um, And it's that holding of the tug of war rope and not letting go, Mm -hmm. which is immature and also um, just putting cracks in the the, the relationship. Yeah. Do you find that uh, most women are better at holding that space for men than men are holding that space for women? In, in like modern I think gen- and this is a, a stereotype yeah. I guess a generalization but I think men tend to be more logical and fix mm-hmm. it um, and uh, they kind of jump to solutions yeah. uh, women are more in touch with feeling dropping into their body um, going more by how they feel mm-hmm. instead of um, what is logical and, and that being said there are women that are opposite of course but mm-hmm. I think you know broad strokes generally speaking yeah, I think men um, – and part of this, I think, is programming and society and locker rooms. Yep. Uh, men are not used to feeling, dropping in and feeling right. and letting that override, you know, logic and ego and all that. Right. I've talked to Danae and, and Vanessa a bit about this, but, you know, the idea of, of masculine and, ener- and feminine energy dynamics, you know, that Danae mm-hmm. talks about this a lot, right? And we talked about this actually at their retreat, how I think from a man's perspective, if we're trying to reach more men, you know, and call them in to, to some internal work, whether that's dealing with their childhood trauma or dealing with their anger or dealing with the depression or, or what have you, I'm not sure if the masculine feminine energy dynamics works for for broad masculinity i'd say from for most men and danae had mentioned that um you know you kind of had pushed back on on when they were talking about the masculine fem- feminine energy dynamics and you you know asked for maybe a recoining of the terms right I- i'm curious yeah. like what do you think is a better way to describe what's really trying to be presented within those ideals yeah because uh the word feminine uh men are going to judge right. it so when when um when you say that you have feminine energy men interpret that as weak as you know um woman like or or whatever right and also for women if um you say that you have a lot of masculine energy um they think you're you're saying that they could grow facial hair or something and that's not yeah. true right um so yeah i think we should use different words i forget what words we thought of and when you had the conversation with with Danae and Vanessa did, did you guys come up with words that because um, I think Danae had some words that were you know, different, that were more neutral. They, you know, when we were in the session at the at the resort, um, at the retreat, like we, you know, it was kind of a group collective, but it was like linear, circular, which which seemed a right. little bit more palatable. Right. But I don't know if it really makes a total bu- bunch of sense to me. You know? Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. I've got. Do you hear the pigeon? So here's the um, thing. I, I was actually so hoping that John Kim's <laughs> parrots were going to join me on the show today. Um, I was like, yeah. it. Would, honestly, I. I literally. One of my friends. I'm gonna throw a shout out real quick. My friend Meredy. She's like a huge fan of yours. She's like, oh my god, you gotta let me know how it goes, right? And um, she's like, I wonder if the parrots will show up. And I'm like, I. I don't know because it's kind of late, but here they are. So Meredy, you got you got your wish. John's parrots are here. Um, if they get crazy, I'm gonna close the garage. <laughs> um, there's a uh, rumor that in the 70s, there was a pet store up here in Altadena that caught up in flames. <laughs> and uh, the parents the parrots got out. And, the, and they're not like little parakeets. They're the, like the straight the up $1,000 you know, yeah. green parrots. Uh, and they started mating. And there's hundreds mm-hmm. of them up here. And so in the morning and randomly uh, at night around 8 p.m., uh, it feels like uh, fucking Jurassic Park. <laughs> I wake up and there's like, arr, arr, <laughs> like parrots. And uh, two days ago, there was a bear in my backyard. It's an, it's crazy. Really? It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, so yeah, if, if they go crazy, um, then we'll, I'll close the garage. Cool. But um, you know what? It's uh, it, it's. I um, feel like it's. It, I feel like it's, it's on like, brand, dude. You gotta just leave it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I, I would ask uh, you yeah, to drink so, coffee, but I know it's a little late. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've had way too much coffee. Um, 
linear and circular. Although, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's um, um, obviously better because it's more neutral. But I think it's too abstract. I agree. So I guess you know, and also, is it also? <laughs> this is me just being um, childish, but is it also um, like the this, the phallic symbol? Like, I mean, like is it pe- uh, like, like the peg in a hole kind of thing? Yeah, yeah with uh, like that's where I'm going yeah. to, but maybe that's not what they mean. But yeah. so I'm, I'm assuming circular is is feminine, feminine I think, energy, yeah. and and linear yeah. is right. I think so I think that I, I'm just assuming, but you know, it's I I thought about that a lot because I've had a lot of conversations with Danae about you know just energetics and how to explain that. To, to someone, you know, and the term, you know, patriarchy gets thrown around a ton these days. And yeah, that's another big yeah, word. Yeah. And quite a bit of responsibility seems to be chucked at men, right? Like men, men, men. Sure. And although I, I'm fully, you know, aware of uh, patriarchal um, pressures in society, I don't think it's, it's a, uh, okay just to blame all of society's problems on patriarchy right i think that there's a a lot of roles that women play just as well too right um and you look at power structures and and relationship dynamics over time even from you know babylon right um and i'm curious you know one of the things that was really interesting uh this is after i started following you but but the uh hopefully it's okay to bring this up but the um skin colored underwear thing that came up Oh, the beige. Yeah, the beige yeah. underwear. And I, and I really, yeah. I really, I think you're, you know, I really want to talk about this because, you know, yeah, what whatever. I noticed was that, you know, when, when you post stuff that's very agreeable, everyone's like, oh my God, that's so awesome, 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 right? And then your comment was, it was really, you were just kind of joking, right? It was like a personal preference yeah, thing. And course. I got that. Right, but there was right. a, there was a handful of women that got triggered, right? If I can use that oh, word. Man, right? yeah. And and yeah. then it was like cancel culture just came out of the bushes and all of a sudden <laughs> like the angry therapist was about to be like was like stuck on to a stake oh, and we God. were gonna start stoning you yeah, as a society, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And and I'm and I'm like, dude, he's talking about beige underwear. And then I and then I, I, I read some of the comments and it was like, okay, like, you know, John's just not getting it. Like he's telling women what to wear. And I was like, I don't think that's he was just stating his opinion and joking around. You know yes, obviously yes. he doesn't expect uh, someone not to if we want to wear fucking underwear wear beige underwear right here's what's interesting about that post so that wasn't a new post what i what i did was um this is the only way i use facebook by the way is facebook memories i I love it because it brings up you know i've written over five thousand blog posts so it brings up random things from from the years and then i look through them and then i just kind of repost um i tell people i'm in syndication right i just repost stuff that i've written a long time ago um and uh new followers think it's it's brand new and so that was just a copy and paste i just reposted it because it kind of made me chuckle now when i posted it uh you know five or six years ago it got a lot of laughs and a lot of likes and oh yeah i agree but but zero hate zero like nothing right and then uh the same exact post literally copy and paste did not fly and that's very telling of the uh landscape of today Mm -hmm. you know um that's just proof that things you know, like that just won't fly. Yeah. And I think the post was non-negotiable, um, no beige underwear. And then I wrote something like, you know, it was joking. Yeah. I, I mean, but it is coming from truth. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of fucking beige un- underwear. I don't think it's sexy. What? Like, I, well, I don't I don't like beige right. underwear. Right. Um, and uh, I mean, but I that's your non-negotiable, right? not the world. But it's mine. Right. Right. But here's the thing. I think in the post, I said, I was, ta- I was talking about women's underwear. Yes. Now, if I said, you know, no, uh, you know, whitey tidies for men, they, no one would right. care, right? But because I was talking about women, and I yeah. get it, right? I was talking about right. women. Here's a man telling a, uh, uh, the world uh, what women should and should not right. wear. And so at first, um, and, and also, by the way, I don't look at my, I know I, I know I should, but I'm fucking lazy, I don't have time. I don't look at my my comments. The way that I found out was my friends are like, dude, do you see what's happening on your feed? I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, go check out that feed. And I went on and I was like, oh my God. And it was hundreds, yeah. hundreds, hundreds. And it was just like, who the fuck do you think you are? And, and um, yeah, and so there, there are a lot of people trying to cancel yeah. me. And I'm, I'm sure I lost, you know, thousands of followers. Some some people trying to some um, people defended you. protect yeah. me. Defending yeah. me saying that, hey, listen, you know, you should look at people cumulatively, yeah. not like, so in, in this I agree with, and I think this is important, especially with cancel culture. Um, when, before you cancel someone, cause I'm not the only one, right? Every day there's someone getting, um, digital stones thrown at their face. Um, look at their whole feed. Look what, you know, they're about. Um, and then 
you know, uh, uh, make an opinion cumulatively, right? right? Not based on one thing because because we're human, you know? 100%. And so anyway, so yeah, that was, uh, but but, you know, the takeaway from that is that um, women, I think, because they have been so suppressed and tied and um, put down and, you know, uh, just for so long, that right now I think it's a it's a period of them expressing themselves. I agree and standing yeah. up, you know. And I think that we should allow that. It's like when the you know when the 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 um the Black Lives Matter yeah. thing was happening, and a lot of people their response was All Lives yeah. Matter, and then people are like, No, but you're ignoring get it. the message. We yeah. we exactly. Right. So yes, we know All Lives Matter, but can you just for a second Old space. say Black Lives yeah. Matter? Period. Yeah. Without saying, and, and a lot of people can right. do it. Like no, all, all lives matter, and I think what and, and it's it's. Uh, I almost don't want to say this because who am I to say what women want? But I think, yeah, what what this is just my opinion. It's like that where we need to give women a space and a beat to say that they matter and that they've been suppressed, and you know, um, men have been a huge part of. Um, you know, all, all of the, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, ag- aggression yeah. or what, you know, all that stuff, yeah. um, before, before men could then say, well, also there are women that blah, 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 you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's almost like we need to, and I don't know how long that beat right. is. I don't know if it's a, a yeah. year or whatever. Um, but I think we need that beat. And then, um, and then you're absolutely right. I think there's, um, a lot of great men out yeah. there, um, that are, you know, getting, getting thrown under the bus or. You know, my, my concern is that is when we look at history in, in particular areas of extremism, even if it's a response to oppression, usually don't end well, right? They usually don't produce the, right. the actual desirable long-term results. And and I think looking at the male perspective, there's been a lot of men that have taken extremists, started wars, oppressed others, right? And it, it really hasn't helped history, you know? And I'm totally yeah. for holding space for this wave, like you're saying, but it seems like the pendulum is being overly swung. And and sure. in that, I think is a, is a danger, right? Because we, we can't forget that every man comes out of a woman, right? And so like we are internally connected in that way, right? You have a mother, I have a mother, everyone has a mother whether whether you're connected with them or not you know after you're born and i think like Mm -hmm. with that ideology i feel like it is the onus of i'm not gonna use the word feminism but of humanism to understand our own pain our own suffering and not let that guide our spite our anger not the anger is not the right response but when anger turns to rage and you're a therapist probably never going to get you desirable results long term right you're probably going to hurt others when you're really trying to call others in so that way we can all collectively move forward together and that women can assume their equitable place next to men because it should have been like that from the beginning in many cultures and many indigenous cultures it is in fact like that right um so that that that's my my thing is like you know i think a lot of men are scared to speak up now because you'll get beat down or you'll get digital stones thrown at, thrown at you. And I understand, <laughs> right. right? I've seen it happen online. And sure. I think like, you know, I've, I've pretty much gone to every uh, women empowerment march I could think of since I was 17, since I started protesting because I grew up with a single Hispanic mother. And, um, mm. you know, I think that often that is overlooked and people kind of bandwagon on the internet. And then all of a sudden, if they see something they don't like that, they're not really contextualizing fully. They'll just demonize a person. And I just, I can't necessarily get behind that, even if it is a response to years of oppression, right? Because it seems like it's, it's an emotional, visceral, like really hurtful thing to do to another. I wouldn't want a man doing that to a woman. So it doesn't really seem right for a woman to do that to a man either. In my mind, the thing about pendulums, uh, Pendulums? Pendulums. <laughs> pendulums. <laughs> pendulums is, you know, English is my second language. Totally. Right? No, I'm kidding. Uh, the thing about pendulums is that um, they swing. Yep. So, uh, yes, I think there's in a lot of um, politics, a lot, a lot of areas right now in life, um, crypto, yep. <laughs> you know, uh, electric cars, uh, the pendulum is is very, is swinging that way. And, um, but pendulums aren't stagnant. They're going to come back. Yep. And I'm... Um, trying to be calm and neutral and not activate my fight or flight or say things that I'm going to regret um, and try to pull from kindness and understanding and empathy like as that. the as it comes back and maybe it'll it'll come back where uh, it'll be more in the middle that's you know? a very like um 
I would say I've been through cowardly things. No, to say. no, 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 <laughs> no. I was going to say it's a very like, you know, uh, admirable leadership quality. I'd say this. And I think it's indicative of like your age, the shit you've been through, what you've studied, the relationships you've exited, the current one you're in, you know, like to be able to hold that space and be like, you know, this too shall pass. But uh, yeah, I think because I'm f- almost 50, I'm 49, yeah. man. And um, wait, how old are you? I'm 32. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So if, in my 20s, I mean, I didn't even get a divorce till 35, yeah. but I was very um, white knuckled, yeah. um, you know, uh, had fire. It doesn't matter if it was passion or rage or whatever I was, um, you know, I always had a lot to say. Uh, and, I, and I think over the years, what naturally has happened for me is um, I was able to um, – create emotional speed bumps. And also, um, I have more distance, yeah. you know, um, like you said, that too shall yeah. pass. I definitely, um, I, I'm able to execute that more at 49 than, um, in my twenties, that wasn't even, I didn't even know what that I, meant. I almost vision it. I'm gonna use martial arts as an example is like, you know, the karate Kung Fu obsession when you're young to like strike, and then you graduate into like the yes. Tai Chi of using like the world's energy and taking yes. it with you. And then. Yes. Yeah. And I don't want, let's not say Tai Chi because that makes me sound like I'm 85 in the park. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's say Jiu Jitsu, which is badass, yeah. which I tried and I should have done more of, but I quit. Um, or Aikido. Aikido is using, you know, other right. people's, um, Steven Seagal has made it, made it, made it popular. Right. I, uh, using other people's energy. Like if someone punches yeah. you instead of punching back, uh, taking their punch and, you know, flipping them over your, your right. shoulder, right? It's kind of the, uh, it's kind of the, um, the, uh, the Buddhism of martial arts right. in a way. Right. Yeah. Totally. Okay. That was a, that was a good. Anyway, so that's just, yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, I don't think either of us are wrong or right. right. Um, I think it's just where, where we are in our lives and, and, um, what is on. So how did you, when that happened and not to stay focused on this, but I'm just curious, like when that happened, your friends told you about it, like, what was your, what was your like plan to respond? You know, did you feel like you owed people an apology? Did you feel like you were just going to let it blow over? You know what's interesting is um, when when you get uh, uh, when you get when people try to cancel you, there's a lot of feelings. You know, um, there's feelings of um, okay, I need to listen to what the masses are saying, and then there's feelings of a lot of fuck you, then don't follow me. <laughs> right? There's a lot of that um, going back and forth. And I thought about it, and uh, at first I kind of like whatever. I'm not taking it down. And then I, I really started reading the the responses, and I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? They're right. Um, you you have to be appropriate uh, with in the time that you live in. You know, mm-hmm. like um, this is if if three, four, five hundred people have a problem, then it, you you have you can't ignore mm-hmm. that, right? And and, and so. Um, cause you put them in a room and now we're talking about, you know, <laughs> a, a march, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, I, I couldn't ignore it with, with the amount of, of, of women that, that were fired up. And so I said, yeah, you know what? I, I don't, this is not the time, um, um, to tell women what kind of underwear they should wear. Mm-hmm. That could be very activating. Yeah. So I definitely thought that was inappropriate, mm-hmm. uh, five, 10 years yeah. ago, it might've been okay and funny and kind of mm-hmm. cute. Um, but this is not the time for that. You know, it's also not the time to, you know, use the N word or, um, you know, call someone a chink or, you know, Asian jokes and all of that in the eighties, man, fuck Asian. I was saying Asian jokes. Totally. You know, and now I feel, you know, I feel like I betrayed, you know, my people. Yeah. I understand that. I, think, <laughs> I, I, I said that as a survival way to fit in. Well, and, I, and I said plenty. Of, I mean, yeah. I grew up in a in the Southwest body. It was in Tucson, Arizona. So, you know, the the way to speak where I grew up uh, is very much not acceptable today, you know, because I grew up around yeah. gang violence, inner city kids, like, you know, a lot of impoverished areas, right? right? A lot of, a lot right. of violence. Um, so, you know, this, this kind of segues into actually what I wanted to get into today, which is funny. We're going from cancel culture, which is directly relates to the book, breaking the blame cycle. So it's not just about relationships with others. It's like breaking, breaking, breaking the blame cycle in life. So you can empower yourself to yeah. like create positive change in your behaviors, right? Cause everything we do are patterns, right? Patterns from childhood patterns, sure. from adolescence. Sure. So when we talk about cancel culture, that directly relates to the victim mindset, right? Like, like, like right. victimhood. And, and oftentimes that's yeah. warranted, right? To acknowledge that we have been a victim in a certain situation. But what I find is that modern culture sort of has empowered us to stay in that mindset a little bit too long to sort of just drown in the victim mindset and therefore we don't take action 
in, in what we can control, which is usually ourselves, right? How, how are we seeking these people out? What kind of people are we allowing in our lives? Who do we follow on social media, right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about like victim mindset or blaming, which is in the book title, how do you stop it if you've been doing it for so long? How do you stop just being a victim to everything and therefore choose? I think, um, first of all, I think that cancel, cancel culture, canceling is bullying at scale, you know? And I think it's um, easy to do because you could do it behind your phone. You could point fingers and, and throw stones and that's very easy behind your phone. It's much harder to do in person. Um, I don't know why I said that, but I just wanted to point that out. And then as far as how do you, how do you break the cycle of, of, of being a victim by blaming? Man, I, I think for me, it's enough life experience. Well, you know, we're talking about relationships. Yeah. So I think if enough relationships don't work um, and, and you decide, you know what, maybe it's me. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to look inward. And then you realize, you know, whether it's through a, a therapist or your exes or whatever, you re- have the revelation that, fuck, I keep playing victim. Mm-hmm. And um, that's gold because that is where the road forks and you have a choice to, okay, I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. I want to try something different. Um, I don't want to uh, uh, be in victim mode anymore because I'm creating my own prison. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to stop blaming. I want to start taking ownership. And I think that, uh, simply put, is self-betterment, yep. is the ability to start owning. Mm-hmm. You know? Love that. It's also what, a, what, an, what a adulting looks like. Let's talk about adulting. So on the back of the book, I'm just going to read a little, little piece of this. And I love this. I mean, I got to be honest, before I read this, John, like you're writing, I, I connect with, I mean, not only as a man, but just the way I think it's that you're just a no bullshit guy. You know, I mean, you, you did the due diligence, you went to graduate school, you you, you picked a new career and you're, you're incredible at obviously mm-hmm. giving advice on the internet. And I'm sure you're a great, you're a great therapist, you're an incredible writer. Oh, but but I think what really shows is that you're not trying to fool anyone, right? You're not out here like dancing around courses or saying like, do these five things and it's and your relationship's gonna get better and just pay me you know, this mm-hmm. amount of money. It's just really nor- right. bull- no bullshit, savvy, realistic, humanistic advice. And I, I'm sure that's what the book entails too because Vanessa is the same way. I mean, I, I understand why you guys connect mm-hmm. because she's just a no bullshit lady. You know, that's that's yeah. her that, yeah. that's her baseline. Um, she's um, she, she's the wine glass on the shot There glass. you go, there you go. <laughs> as far as our writing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna read this little piece. It says, the surprising truth is that falling in love is more about you than your partner. It's more about challenge than comfort and roots don't grow from wishful thinking. They grow in the soil of communication, curiosity, patience, and understanding that is brilliant mm. right there that's so good oh, um and i want you to expand if, if you wouldn't mind on why the surprising truth that falling in love is more about the self and less about the other well i think we've been programmed um to believe uh and this is why people blame uh put a lot of weight on the other person so we're taking a black light to them what are they doing wrong how are they showing up what could they improve um, it's rare that we actually, um, you know, look into a mirror and hold the flashlight at us. Um, many people do that, but but that's now uh, doing the work. That's uh, you know uh, therapy and 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 working on yourself and, and all of that. Um, did you ask how do I get? How do you get there? No. So I was just curious and like, why is it? You know, why is it more about the self than the other in terms of finding oh, real right. sustainable love? I think your relationship with self, um, and no one has a perfect relationship with yourself or with anyone right. else, but I think that plate has to be spinning and you have to be actively working on that to build anything with someone else, you know, to bring something more to the table than desiring someone. Amen. And so I always say, you know, bring it back to you. Yeah. Always bring it back to you. Uh, and there's something empowering about taking ownership, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's hard to do shit. I struggle with it every day. Um, but it's like coins into your self-esteem, your self-worth. Uh, if you're able to take ownership and say, Hey, listen, I'm sorry. And this is how I want to change. Not for you, but for me, I don't like the person that I'm being. I don't know. I don't like how I'm showing up. This is valuable to me. Um, first that's really sexy, but it's, uh, you're, you're bringing, um, exa- an example to the table. You're bringing 
someone who is evolving. Mm-hmm. You're bringing um, hope. You're bringing safety. Mm-hmm. You're bringing connection. There are so many things that you're bringing to the table mm-hmm. just by that one thing, by not blaming but taking ownership. Yeah. It totally um, – blaming flips the magnet. Taking ownership flips it yeah. back. I like that. Produces glue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the things I also learned from my, I mean, I learned this from all the relationships I've been in, but my most recent one that ended in 2020, that I've spoken about on the show a bit, um, is that, you know, oftentimes, not all the time, but often I was, uh, some of the problems I was creating or the problems I was complaining about, I was actually creating based on my own sense of self-loathing, right? That like, I wasn't okay mm-hmm. with myself. I wasn't okay with uh, that. I had sacrificed uh, a lot of like my own personal like hobbies and goals to contribute to the relationship, contribute mm-hmm. to my partner, you know, and that was on me, right? She didn't ask for that. I just, you know, right. very codependently was like dropped everything. It was like, boom, you know, here I am just hundred yeah. percent in here. Right. Yeah. And I forgot who I was. I forgot what I was doing. Yeah. I forgot what I wanted to do, you know? Um, and in that I started to resent myself. I started to resent the shell of myself that I had sort of just left right? It was just like, okay, like now I'm in a relationship. So everything I was working on, whether it was graduate school or being a pro athlete or whatever, kind of just got kicked to the back burner. And again, nothing to do with her. She didn't ask for this. It was just kind of my default. My default has always been to kind of like overgive, overfunction, right? And I think for a lot of people that can relate to that, oftentimes uh, a lot of resentment builds in a relationship and that can contribute to someone being hypercritical, right? Or like nitpicky. Yeah, Always, yeah. everything's a problem. Like everything's a problem. And that that led to like, you know, me just kind of like weighing down on her all the time, right? I'm consistently just like picking out all mm-hmm. these things, you know? Um, I think men and women can do this a lot. So- Who, who left a relationship? She did. Do you mind me asking? She did. Yeah. yeah. She had to. I, was, I don't think um, I could have. You know, I've been very honest with this. I don't- Right. I, you wouldn't have. I wouldn't yeah. have. Exactly. You would have stayed in it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and was that your, um, was that the catalyst to your whole um, rebirth and, you know, becoming a therapist you know, and doing what you're doing it now? Was, was that the first domino? It was one of them. The first domino was my grandfather passing away, who was my father figure in life. Mm. Uh, my senior year of college, mm-hmm. uh, I was in San Diego mm-hmm. and he was in Tucson. He passed away uh, in 2012. And then I fell in love for the first time when I moved to Chile in 2013. Um, wow. and that, and get my heart broken for the first time. I had never been in a relationship. And so I was 23, a little bit of a late bloomer relational, relationally wise. Wow. Um, that was the first domino. Cause I was like, after that relationship, I was like, all right, I got, I need to, I have some shit I need to work on. I don't know what it is. And I went to therapy as a 23 year old man and took myself to therapy, you know? And, uh, it was like, that's awesome to- at that age. I mean, I was, I've always been a pretty self-aware kid. You know, I had a lot of alone time as a kid, but you know, I mean, one of the, I talk about this on the show, like one of the first books I read in college was uh, the universe is a single atom by the Dalai Lama. And that was on my own. And I remember one of my buddies coming in, I played baseball in college. One of my buddies coming in and he was like, Hey man, we're going to a frat party. Let's go. You know, it was like, it was like the first week of the dorms. And I was like, now I'm like, I'm actually really digging this book, man. I'm going to stay. And this, this this kid like looked at me like, what is wrong with you, dude? You know, like what, what do people, so you're, you're always a. A thinker. Right, I mean, I, I went out and drank, don't get me wrong, yeah, yeah. but like it, in that yeah, moment yeah. is just kind of indicative of like my, my life, right? And so to answer your mm-hmm. question, the last relationship was, I would say the third and final domino really that I needed, right. you know, I, I had to kind of get knocked upside the head a couple of times to be like, all right, you know, I've worked on a good amount, but there's still a lot left and it's always continuous. And, you know, how do I really utilize the love and the lessons I had in this relationship to be a better man, right? Um, yeah. Even though I don't. And how long ago was that? Uh, the separation was May of 2020. Oh, okay. It's pretty recent. Two years. Yeah. Ago. I mean, I guess. Two I guess years. in like yeah, yeah. my lifetime, you know, it's like seems like yeah. like a pretty good space. But yeah, I'd say still pretty recent. You know. Um, mm. What was the sport that you played? So I I played baseball and volleyball in college, and randomly I got into mountain running uh, in San Diego after mm. I stopped playing sports, and I and I fell into sort of elite endurance running and my body changed a lot. Oh, you know, my wow. natural body weight's like 200 pounds. I was like 155, 160 racing and then pretty much oh my traveled gosh, all over the world. Tall too. Yeah, I'm 6'2". So I traveled all over the world for probably from 2014, 2015 to 2019. And then I had a big cycling crash, wow. which retired me, had a brain injury, had all this, all this mm. stuff go on in 2019. And that kind of- You were like a little, you were like a, a, a gazelle. I was a gazelle. I mean, there's dudes that are way thinner than me that are my height. I mean, it's, it's you know, there's a whole Jeez. nother, you know, psycho- analysis you could do on ultra runners alone but um wow. you know the, i guess that the to come back around here um is like you know that that last domino kind of got me to 
really trying to understand how I wanted to give back to society. You know, law school was a piece of that back in the day. I was like, I want to be an environmental lawyer, work on social justice and environmental issues. And I finally know now, and I've told Danae this, is that, you know, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Like, like yeah. I, I get so much joy out of helping people, out of working with people one-on-one, out of talking to people like you. You know, I mean, I can't mm-hmm. tell you enough how I've learned from you via the internet, how I've, you know, taken lessons from Mark Groves, from other people on the internet that, sure. I, uh, you know, I don't agree with everybody all the time. Like I have an opinion on everything, right? Yeah. I'm an opinionated person. But I've learned so much from people like yourself that, you know, a little bit further down the road, they've, they've, they've had love, they've lost love, you know, they've gained it again. And, um, you know, they, they're telling the stories of the elders in a, in a sense in my mind, like because everyone on mm. earth has experienced on some level, grief, loss, suffering, love, joy, all these, all the emotions that make us, you know, who we are. Are you calling me Mr. Miyagi? You look That's like Mr. Miyagi. Me you, you could be, you could be Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and by the way, Mark Groves, a sweet man. He's a friend of mine. He's a good guy. He's great. Yeah. You know, that's the great thing about this, uh, everything, social media, internet, and I know there's also a lot of bad, but uh, connecting with, uh, I mean, who watches TV? I mean, I guess there is, you know, Hulu and Netflix and all that, but um, man, um, as far as social media, um, curating your feed and having a, 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 um, a community, a group of people that you wouldn't normally have access to in your pocket is pretty amazing and you could hear you know their inner thoughts and follow their story their journeys um and it impacts us because you know it's all about these these collisions that's Mm -hmm. what makes us human and the takeaway on both sides you You know know, one of the things that comes across especially when you and vanessa are talking on your show um together uh, which i love by the way is that uh you guys are both very strong personalities right like vanessa is a very strong personality you're an aries dude you're a very strong personality however she's a taurus i'm an aries yeah we both have horns exactly however i do notice quite often how and i think this is probably just with the work you've done how you you have restraint you know and and maybe maybe not or is it or or is it maybe maybe it's fear (laughs) like i was gonna say maybe, maybe maybe it's fear but i'm curious like you know how do you guys navigate having both gone to you know been clinicians like like worked as professional therapists you're both sort of you know internet uh influencers in the mental health relational health you know mm-hmm. world now mm-hmm. uh you you just you had child together right so there's all these other things you're dealing with how do you deal with like i still don't know if i still don't know if it's mine dude so we'll, we'll, <laughs> no i'm kidding um, that's very inappropriate i'm sorry shit oh whoever's listening God, to dude. this i'm sorry this is great I, here we go cancel john we gotta have you back on already dude. right you're, away you're my type of human my man um this you know so so when you guys have these two strong personalities and, and you aren't having a great day right you are fighting you are disagreeing yeah. yeah like how do you approach that together so that way it doesn't fester and bubble up into something huge like it might have when you were in your 20s right Right. Um, I think it's fair and I think it's okay to get heated in fights as long as the fight is safe. Um, we talk in our book about how to fight without fighting. And it's not about how many times you fight. There are couples that always say like, oh, yeah, we never fight. And I'm like, well, then there's a problem. Um, you could fight every day. It's about how you fight. And, you know, the Gottmans talk a lot about this. And so Vanessa and I can go at it. And I think it's great. We could have, uh, we could disagree. She, she is very outspoken. She has, she has a lot of strong opinions, which is great. It's also what makes her attractive. Um, but we'll never assassinate each other's character. We will always fight fair. No one's going to have a bazooka when the other person has a knife, right? So, um, we have rules. And at the end of the day, it's all love, you know? And I think what's been helpful for me, going back to uh, just me being old, <laughs> age is the I've I've calmed down a lot, yeah. you know, and I, I pick my battles. And so, um, if I do uh, um, soften, um, it's by choice. Yeah. It's it's not fear. I was joking about yeah. that, and it's not. Um, because because Vanessa is also not a steamroller, yeah. right? She's she's not doing it uh, just to bully me. Right. Um, she it's coming from passion. So yeah. um, if I'm if I'm very if I if I have an opinion on something and it's very strong, then I will express it, but I won't do it um, with you know an iron fist, yeah. right? I, I will always try to uh, come back to um, kindness. Yeah. And, and compassion. And, you know, we forget so much, especially with our partners. And, and this is what's sad. Uh, I am also guilty of this. We're so kind to our friends. Um, but the people that we love, that we share a bed with, we're usually um, sometimes the meanest, mm-hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. You know, you fucking idiots. Yep. You need whatever it is. Yep. And um, I think it's because we're so comfortable with them that we can, and it's so wrong yeah. and it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't. So, and I can, I can yeah. attest to that too. That's exactly it. You know, th- there were some things, uh, you know, I said and did in my past relationship that I would never mm-hmm. do to a friend. Right. And it was because right, there was a right. level of safety and comfort where honestly, there's a sense of entitlement where you don't think that person's going to leave you. Right. And yeah. then you realize yeah. very quickly, right. If someone has self-respect that they're just like, Hey, that's not okay. Right. And because, yeah, we also do it with our siblings and they, family because we're so close to them. It's exactly you know? the other thing I was going to bring up is yeah. that those two things are our, our romantic relationships, our partners and our family are often the ones where I would say like abusive, um, uh, abusive behavior tends to be at the yeah. forefront. Right. Like, because there's yeah. a, there's a sense of entitlement expectation in that, right. Uh, this person will be around no matter how I treat them. Right. So, which is not good. And that actually segues perfectly. I was going to bring up entitlement in a relationship, right? Like Mm. I'm in this relationship. I do this. Therefore I should receive this back. How do we rectify that idea of entitlement versus the idea of being met, right? We always talk about being met, like you should be met, right? Where you emotionally are, where you, you know, mentally are, you know, if you want emotion, mm-hmm. if you're emotionally available, right? Be met with someone that's emotionally available. What's the difference with like being met versus having a sense of entitlement where it's like a tit for tat dynamic? Yeah, I think, you know, we live in a very transactional yeah. world. And so when it comes to relationships, um, I'll give you this, what are you going to give me? You know, and I'm, I'm totally guilty of that, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, right. And to, uh, if, if you start thinking like that, then it kind of becomes a game. Um, then it becomes, you know, about collections <laughs> and, um, that's not what love mm-hmm. is about, you know? And then, you know, we get into the, the pattern of that. And, and, and all of this is just like it, it, it patterns creating tracks and then that becomes a relationship dynamic and suddenly we're on autopilot. Um, so just to be aware, you know, um, how are you choosing to love someone? Is it transactional, you know, or is it like, look, I don't want anything from you, but here's what I want to give you. Um, and, and, and there should be a back and forth. You can't play Frisbee by yourself, right? I didn't sign up to, uh, be in a relationship where I'm giving everything and not getting anything back, of course. Um, but expectations, um, you know, transactions, um, here's what I'm going to do. What are you going to do for me? All of that stuff. I think is um, building on sand. I think it's uh, it cracks the relationship container. Okay. So instead of expectations, let's say someone's in the dating phase and they're they're going on dates with someone, mm-hmm. they're getting to know someone. Mm-hmm. What what is the supplement for expectations? Is it deal breakers? Is it preferences? Is it non negotiables? What is the supplement expectations? for? So instead mm-hmm. of instead of expecting. You know, there's another word that's coming to my mind, which is, uh, which starts with an E and that is, um, experience. And what I mean by experience is, um, what new love experience do you want to give yourself because you're 50% of this. And if you give yourself a new love experience, how is it going to recondition your body to believe that there could be something different? And this is where patterns break, right? Um, when I met Vanessa, I said to myself, because, uh, you know, we have a lot of differences. Um, I said, what kind of experience do I want with this? Because I have a big say in that. I'm part of this relationship. Um, and how, what can I do to give myself a new experience that's going to eclipse the old? And um, one of the things that a lot of people do, including myself, uh, I struggle with, is comparing who you're with to who you were with. And that is tracing an old love experience, you're not giving yourself a new one. And so you're kind of loving with your past, Mm -hmm. right? You're loving in the time machine and there's no growth. Uh, It's also not fair to your partner. So when I think about, okay, instead of expecting, what's the new experience I want to give myself? And it could be micro. It could be like, okay, we're we're about to have dinner. How do I want to go into this dinner that's different? Because last time we got into an argument or last time I ate I used to wolf down food so fast. Uh, Maybe part of it just being Mm -hmm. Korean. Um, Like they would be halfway done and I'm done and already gone. And so, okay, what new experience can I give myself? Okay, I need to slow down. I need to be mindful. I need to make eye contact and I need to eat at the same pace as my partner. And then what would that do that will convince my body 
that uh, maybe this is the way, maybe this is what you want. So I'm all about new experiences. Um, And I think experiences are greater than um, obviously expectations. That's a beautiful way to look at it. And I can attest that Mexicans do the same thing. And uh, I've had to actually consciously slow down because I will be done before everybody. Or is it that white people just eat too slow? You know, are we eating fast? I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe we can meet in the middle because <laughs> white people, they'll have dinner for three hours. It's like, dude, let's go. <laughs> um, but Koreans eat right when the food comes and they don't wait for the for anyone yeah. else. Um, and also they're, you know, eating hot food. They're fucking drenched in sweat. And it's just, a workout. You know, yeah. It's, it's a, a workout. workout. It's a, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a business, man. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's eat. Um, yeah. Did you find that the more work on you've done yourself, the more work on you, you've done yourself as a man that the people you attract in your life have changed? Sure. In what way? Yeah. I think that's just a, a um, a law of the universe. Um, as you change, um, who you attract changes. It's like, you know what it's like? And this is proof of it. If you have a friend, uh, like you went to high school with, and um, um, you want to be friends with them because of the history. And, and then one day you kind of wake up, and realize, man, we're just different people now. Um, I don't think I'd be friends with this person if I just met them today. Mm-hmm. Right. And then and then you let go of that friend and you keep on growing and, and go down your path. And suddenly you look around at your friends and they're all different. You know, they're not like the uh, the old high school friends that you had Um that's just proof that your energy, um, how you are, how you show up is attracting a different type of person or people. Mm-hmm. It also happens in uh, dating. I, I think um, when we uh, change from the inside out, um, what we're attracted to changes and um, and, and who we're, we're, uh, who is attracted to us changes. Yeah. You, know? you know, you bring up dating brought up a, a thing in my mind is that a lot of people blame uh, dating apps for just being so shallow, so superficial, right? Yeah. But I actually yeah. think it's less about the app and more about our culture and society, right? Because culture and society sure. dictates what's going on in the app. And so people ask me like, well, what do I write on my app? And I'm like, well, what are you offering and what are you looking for? Who are you? Like, right? Something deeper than just like, I like ice cream and walking the dogs on the beach, you know, because those, those seem to be inherently things that are probably easy to communicate in the first conversation versus like, I'm looking for someone that's emotionally available and I'm doing a lot of work on myself, you know, something, something deeper. Right. I'm curious, like, do you, I I don't think it's the app. I think it's the weight we put on the app. Exactly. So yeah. And this is why, yeah, I always tell people to use a little spoon when, um, when using dating apps, the you know when you go get ice cream and they give you the little red taster spoon, mm-hmm. use that spoon. Don't get the big banana split. Uh, you're gonna get sick. And so with dating apps, because uh, yeah, it, it, it's scary because you're swiping. Um, someone may not swipe on you. People are hiding behind their phones, so they might be mean. Um, use it when you feel good about yourself, and use it as a tool. Not I'm gonna get on this app to find my husband. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure and you're putting way too much weight on it. Mm-hmm. And um, use dating apps with also being social outside, go hiking, <laughs> go find whatever you love to do and find community there, jump into Zoom meetings. Like dating apps should only be one thing that you're doing when you're single, not the only thing. And it's when people use it as the only thing and it doesn't work out, that cliff they fall off is very steep. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's like sitting at the 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 roulette table and they're just like put all their chips on um or not roulette blackjack or whatever. Yeah. Here, everything on black. Let's let's see if let's see if it works. <laughs> it's like, dude, make smaller bets, sit at the table for a longer time. Diversify you know, your investments, fun. folks. You've heard it diversify, from John Kim yeah, right here. Go. Let's go. Diversify your portfolio, you know? Um so I was gonna read this. I, I'm actually not, but because I want people to read it. You guys gotta go buy the book. It, in like right before the book starts, Vanessa and John write kind of a short letter to each other. Uh that's kind of just really mm. it's just like expressing gratitude and they're they're super heartfelt, dude. They're they're awesome. I, but, I love that I love that you're ending with this because we were gonna begin with this. We were gonna really begin with this, but I think it's a great ending yeah. because we we yeah. always talk about relational problems, right? A lot. It's like we focus mm-hmm. on the problem, the problem, the problem. And a lot of times we forget that like being grateful is a really great alternative to just focusing on the problems all the time. Not that we shouldn't focus on things that are bothering us, but in that sort of disparity, 
we forget that this person's choosing to wake up next to us every day. They're choosing a relationship. We're choosing a relationship with them. And there is beauty in that choice, right? And and these sort mm-hmm. of little letters mm-hmm. to each other, I think it represents that. Like this is there's just a lot of gratitude, you know, in these like little parables to each other. Like, mm. can you, you know, just talk a little bit for a moment about the necessity of being grateful for your partner or being grateful for the person you're dating, yeah. you know, and practicing gratitude. I could only speak for myself. Um, my default is that uh, the glass is half empty. My default is, you know, what, uh, what else is better out there? Yeah. You know, what's, you know, it's the whole like that. And it's not just in relationships, just in, in life. It's very damaging. Um, I'm not as bad as I used to be. Uh, so gratitude um, does the opposite. Gratitude makes you appreciate what you have, not curious about you know what more you could have, right? So um, grat- gratitude um, creates soil. Gratitude creates uh, empathy, and also, um, man, I mean, I don't know if you can love someone without it, without feeling gratitude and appreciation and you know, um, I'm so lucky that you're in my life, you know, I think one of the key indicators of someone that's, that's gotten to a point after a breakup or divorce or separation is that no matter what happened, no matter what pain was, was felt caused, you know, experienced is that they can say, I'm actually really grateful for that person in my life, the love they gave, even the things that I experienced, because it made me who I am today. And I wouldn't be loving in the way I am today if I didn't have that experience. Right. I think we need to um, have that mindset or that intention yeah. with uh, more with our exes. And I know that um, a lot of our exes have hurt us and, and, and they were abusive and toxic. I understand that. Yeah. Um, but that mindset is more for you than them. Yeah. You know, you're not giving them a gift. Mm-hmm. You are giving yourself, you know, closure right. and a stance and, and, and everything that comes with um, feeling, feeling grateful. You never read the two things. You want to end reading those? The two things. Yeah, John and Vanessa. Didn't you say you wanted to read them? Oh, or yeah. you, you're just saying that. No, I mean, I would, I would love to. I was just going to read the one you wrote, if that's sure. cool. Yeah, do yeah, it. yeah, no, I think it's, yeah, I think it's course. just a great. It's funny because it's just like you're, you're writing, obviously. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's from, from my okay. voice, everybody. Vanessa, thank you for supporting me, challenging me, and holding up a mirror, for giving me a new kind of love experience that opens fists and creates new definitions, for holding my hand through the dark and my face in the light, for doing life with me, not at me or around me for watching the golden girls with me as I fall asleep, squeezing my morning wood. (laughs) Sorry. I knew I was going to laugh doing this squeezing my morning wood, not in a sexual way, but in an, I love you way. Now get the fuck up. Um, accepting my inappropriateness, proofreading all my shit and scratching my back when I know it grosses you out for being my partner, my friend, my confidant and co-pilot on, on this crazy thing called life. Does it not feel good when, um, she squeezes the morning wood. I mean, it's not like um, let's have sex. It's not a sexual yeah. thing, but almost like a hug. It just, I don't know, for me, it just... Uh, yeah, it's... A, and it's not every day. It's yeah. not every day. And listen, I don't want to expect yeah. it, but uh, um, it's that love, love, love that. It's. I think it's just like, a, you know, a wonderful physical expression of like, hey, like I'm I'm here, you know, for you kind of thing. And you're here for me and we're like existing, you know? Yeah. So. It 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 it, it yeah. is that for me, and I don't know if it's like that for other men, um, but it is like the hand around a shoulder yeah. or the leg when you're driving. Um, it, it's a good morning. Yeah. I'm here. I'm with you. Um, it, it's it, not. It, it's, it's, not a it's a hand thing, around. Right? It's, it's a, a, it's a hand thing. around a baby arm to use your your terminology. You know. I wish I had a baby <laughs> arm. No, I don't. I don't wish I had a baby arm because I've exes that uh, had boyfriends that did, and they said no. Um, I, I'm definitely, um, I definitely don't have a baby arm. But, um, but it, yeah. But anyway, that that feels good. And uh, you know, it's funny because I was like, do I want to open? I mean, literally, page one of the book. I'm talking about how she squeezes my morning wood, and I sat with myself, and I was like. That's me and it's, it's honest. It's, it's true. You. So, you know what? If they can't get past that, they're probably not going to like the rest of the book. I think I think it's real. Which is, which is not a good way to sell the it's book. It's real and know. it's honest. And and I and you guys got to buy the book. I'm going to throw a link to the book in the show notes. Um, go buy a copy. You can also find this book through John and Vanessa's social media. I'll throw their links to everything in the show notes as well and their all their social medias um, and their websites. But before I let you go, John, real quick question. Uh, and this is about motorcycles. 
So put your put your like yes. moto moto helmet on. Um, what what kind do you have? So I, I had riding? three. I only have one now because a little old man ran over yep. them. Um, they were parked outside uh-huh. my old house a year ago. But I had a uh, Kawasaki Vulcan 1700 Nomad. So that's a bike like yours, mm-hmm. much like a street glide mm-hmm. or a road glide, right? And then I have yep. a Crotch Rocket, a Triumph Street Triple uh, 765, mm, yeah, which is very fast. custom. And then I used to have like a, a dirt bike. I used to race motocross when I was a kid. I broke enough bones where it was oh, like, okay, stop yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so now I just ride, you know, street bikes a little bit more safely. Um, the, the crotch rockets scare me. Um, I don't trust this myself one looks more like a cafe racer, but it is a race bike under the oh, hood. Okay. You know, it is a, yeah, it, yeah. a chassis, everything. Yeah. It's, it's a track bike. Um, so. yeah, I, at 49 only ride motorcycles if they have stereos. So that's basically the cruisers. That, the that, road that's glides. a good, I think that's a good outlook. But what I was going to ask you, let's say, let's say age wasn't a factor here and, and, mm-hmm. and saying you already have the bike you do. If you could have one bike in the world, what would it be and why? You know, Keanu Reeves has a motorcycle company and Arch. Um, it's called Arch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like that hybrid where it's not a, it's not like a, like a lay low crotch rocket, but it's also not a, a grand, a grandpa Harley, like the one that I have. Yep. Um, it's somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like a cafe racer, but it's, I think they're, they like start at a hundred grand. They've got like titanium parts, yep. um, but they custom build them to the rider. Yep. And so um, I would love to have one of those. Because it seems like a bike that you would just have forever, you yeah. know, because it's like custom to you. So, yeah, I'd be that. And also, I think Keanu Reeves is pretty rad. I think he's, he's a pretty a, rad dude. He's a really cool dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is there anything bad written about Keanu Reeves? He I just, don't think anyone's ever said one negative thing about that person. He just stays out of the limelight, rides his motorcycle around. You know, it's funny that you, you said Arch because... I was going to answer that too, that like I want an arch bike. Mm. But since you took that, mm-hmm. I'll change mine up and I'll say I would probably take a Triumph Rocket 3 because it's actually the closest thing you can get to an arch that's not oh. 80, 90 grand. It's like 23, but it's very similar. It's like it's still got the cruiser mm. feel, but under the hood mm-hmm. is a like very torquey, you know, get you going yeah. quickly engine. Yeah. Um, but but the handling is a little bit more like sporty versus like, you know, just a race crotch rocket. So. Yeah. Well, um, next time you're down here, um, let's go riding sometime. Even I'll, if you don't ride, we could rent bikes or do whatever. There's a I'll, lot of a lot of places to ride where I live. I will be bringing my bike up, actually, and I'll be in California for three months. So I'm planning on going up Sweet. and riding with you. So let's make it happen. Yeah, Angela's Quest. Let's do it. Right on, dude. Well, John, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. Uh, you know, it's just wonderful to talk to you finally and sit down. And uh, again, you know, before I let you, I just want to say thank you, you know, for all the work that you've put out there. Um, I think oh, you, you. you're a great represent. Yeah. You're a great representative for men. And I think I hope that more, mm-hmm. you know, young men, older men alike, uh, follow you on social media, learn from you, engage with you, uh, because we definitely need to call call more of them in. Yeah, thank you for the work that you do. I think it's noble. And the way that you show up, um, this podcast, your social media, and also you um, on your journey to becoming um, a licensed therapist, if that's your goal. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah. All right, man. Be well. I really want to ask all of you listeners out there, if you could take a couple seconds, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star written review that really helps get the podcast in more eyes, in more ears, um, and just really helps podcasts grow in in every aspect possible. So um, I would really appreciate it if you could pause it, go leave us a five-star written review on Apple, subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts, and turn notifications on so you get notified whenever we launch a new episode.